Now, Stephen, you mentioned you mentioned your wife a lot. Yeah. When she yells at you to get off your phone, do you think she could go about that better? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> She's just like, can you put down your phone, please? We talked about this every night, and I'm like, but Twitter, no. no. Well, I'm like, but what if the Sabres score a goal, and I'm not there for it? The well, world will the end. Thing. Here's the thing. So I, I wanted to mention this. I guess this is a roundabout way of getting us on topic here. So the other night, uh, last week, Friday it was, I left my phone at my house on accident, of course, because why would I leave my phone at my yeah, house? Yeah, it's just crazy. And I went to my aunt and my uncle's house to watch the Sabres game with a couple family members. It wasn't to watch the game. We were just going to hang out and drink and whatever. The game was on, yeah. The game was on. But I, of course, a diehard fan, was watching. And this was a game against the Capitals. Sabres are not playing all that well, but they're, you know, showing some fight with Donnie, Donnie G as the coach. Um, and, and he did something that I'll just dive right into it here. He did, he challenged a goal down two goals. It was a goal that put him up, put Washington up five to two at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he challenges it with three minutes left in the hockey game. And I'm like, at first, I'm like, dumb challenge. Why are you challenging this call? It's barely going to be like, it's barely going to be overturned. You're probably going to lose your timeout, which who cares? Right. But, you know, you're probably going to be on a, on a penalty now. Because you told you challenged the call, and that's the new thing. It's like you lose your timeout, and you're on a two minute penalty now. Regardless, he challenges, he wins, and he shows his team, hey, I don't care how much time's left on the clock, I don't care what the score is, I'm gonna fight for you until the bitter end. You gotta fight for me. And then they go out, they get the goal overturned. Mm-hmm. Middle stat or Thompson scores right away. Now it's a one goal hockey game, and you've got the net empty with a minute left, and it's anyone's game. And I right. thought that was the quintessential moment that I was sold on Don Granado as the head coach because he showed his players that he believes in them and they came right out and they played for him yeah. in those final minutes. And while they didn't get a win, it was, I believe in you guys, believe in me and my system. And I think in points of what, five of their last nine games winning or getting a point in overtime or a shootout. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're playing very well. And I, I really feel like he's the guy going forward. I just want to interject real quick. Was that before or after they had 15 guys on the ice? I saw that picture. That was insane. <laughs> that is such a great picture. But I don't know how they didn't get called for that. <laughs> well, I feel like they didn't get called because Washington also had like 12 players on the ice. There the were so time. many people on the ice in that photo. Both <laughs> were on the ice, both GMs, uh, a couple of the fans, like everybody was on the ice. But no, I like – I. I'm with you. I'm sold on him. And I saw someone call him Donnie Meatballs on Twitter today. And I'm all for just like calling him Donnie Meatballs from now on. But no, you're absolutely right. Like I'm, I'm all for Don Granado at this point because like all the young guys are better. Like mm-hmm. Middlestat, um, Darlene looks like the player that we drafted first overall. Asplund's on fire. Thompson's on fire. Like these guys are responding and playing well. Like, the toe drag that Darlene oh had my last god. night. On the blue line? Oh. Yeah. Like, I saw it, I'm like, oh my god. And then he slap shot and granted banked off a couple people, but I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> like, that's so, that's so Darlene. And You know who that went off of? Curtis Lazar. I did see that. And, <laughs> you know, with that trade, I'm like, we'll get to the trade and, like, other... We like, can get to it right now. You can, I mean, let's let's bring no, it up. Let's talk. Well, I got a couple of Don Granado things I just want to say. Okay. Right. 
Go ahead. So they like you can tell that this team is confident now. It's like they're the worst team in the league by six points, and they're confident and they're happy and they look free. And it's like, what the hell was Kruger doing beforehand that like made them just put shackles on everyone? And so they're four two and two in their last eight without Eichel, Hall, Cousins. And they played with seven defensemen a couple times. It's like, how, like, how do you get a record like that? How do you win and find points in hockey games when Matt Irwin is playing right wing? There right. were times where I was like, oh, Matt Irwin's on the ice. And Colin Miller. And Henry Yoki Haru. Yeah. What the hell is going on? And it was yeah. regulation, five on five. And I can't believe that they found a way to get points when that's your lineup. Matt right. Irwin? Are you kidding me? Like, oh, God. And may I remind you, Cody Eakin is still on this team. And, and if you put Matt Irwin and Cody Eakin on the same line, I think the ice would just crack open and they'd both fall. <laughs> like, but he's getting the most out of these guys, and he's missing his best player. And overtime last night, he puts together different line combinations. And after the game, he's like, well, I want to see how these guys react together in a stressful situation with the game on the line. It's like my mind almost exploded because this guy is trying new things. He's trying guys together. And Kruger would have been like, nope, we're sticking to what we do. doesn't matter. They'll eventually get results. And it's a Granado's like, no, I need to know who's going to be good and who I can trust when. And it's like he's so fresh and he's so honest, but he's also personable about it. And it's like it's so nice. And one – there's a quote that he, he was on WGR yesterday and he was talking about how like he's encouraging the young guys to play. And he made a point of saying when a rookie makes a mistake, he needs to like sit or it's a rookie mistake. But if a veteran makes that mistake, Oh, he's just playing through it or he doesn't get any flack from it. And it's like, no. And Granado was like, no, it's like, that's not how it works. I tell the young guys, like you're in the NHL, you made it. Like, you're going to make mistakes, and that's okay, because a veteran can make those same mistakes, too. And he's like, we're just going to let the young guys play, and that's how they learn. And I love that. Like, he, he, I'm all for him being the head coach next year. Like, I'm, Absolutely. I'm full aboard that train. And going back to that overtime you mentioned, like, I saw a stat. It was the first time since the three-on-three overtime era had been implemented that a team played ten different forwards in mm-hmm. that overtime period. Only two players didn't play in the overtime. Can you name them? Uh, probably C- Cody Eakin. Bingo. <laughs> and mm, I don't know who's the other one. It was Kyle Oposo. Wait, didn't so... he make the pass to uh, Bjork or whatever? Or Bjork like dangled and then like went behind the goal? I didn't butcher this. Oh, it might not have been a post-so. But I point is, that could, point that could have been at the end of the game. I could be very wrong. Potentially. No, but point stands. 10 out of 12 forwards played in the overtime period. He's letting the guys play. Yeah, He's and not picking and choosing favorites. He's like, here you go. Here's right. our team. Go make something happen. And I right. love that. And you can tell guys love him because, you know, Matt Irwin last night stands up for Dowling, and then Aslan gets run into the boards. And Thompson, who... He's like six six, six seven. But he's he's skinny. And mm-hmm. he doesn't fight. But then he immediately turns on one of the toughest guys in the NHL and starts trying to hit him. I mean, 
Thompson, bless his heart, got his face almost caved in. But he at least tried, and he responded immediately. And it's like, okay, these guys are fighting. And he, Granado said after the game, he's like, yeah, we didn't have to tell them to step up the physicality. They just did it by themselves. And it's like, okay, if you have a coach that is input all this stuff to his players, and when the time calls for them to do something, they do it without having to be told, like, that's perfect. That's great. And I, and it totally I, comes well, down to coaching too. Oh, like, sure. that's, that's how he facilitates the room. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. that just being an athlete, like being in a locker room, you know, I played soccer for many years. When the coach sets the vibe in the room, and obviously you are an athlete in your own right, when the coach sets a vibe in the room, if he's too demanding or if he's too lackadaisical, it changes the entire team dynamic because obviously the players are going to talk with each other about the coach, about the system. It's their job, you know, especially in the, in the NHL at the pro leagues. You have to be, I mean, that's what you talk about. That's, that's what's going on on your daily basis. Here's what you do for a living. And if it's not a good work environment, you're not going to perform well. These guys are in a good work environment, and that's why I don't think you should bring in someone new this offseason and restart the whole thing next season, because you've got a guy who's coming in in the worst season your team's had in the team's history, basically, and he's coming in and he's finding a way to get the players to play well and connected, and all the words, the buzzwords that Kruger talking about getting the guys to play well, Mm -hmm. he's actually doing it by being a better coach. Right. And by being a better leader. And I, I like even the way that he talks with the media. How he's, yes. not, oh he's not so he's not so trying to sway. He's like, no, you're not my friends. I know what you're here for, and I know what I'm here for. I'm going to give you the answers, and that's what we're here for. I'm not here to be yep. friends. And that Kruger, you know, is a nice guy, so he wanted to try to be personable with them. But that right. leads to situations where you're not telling the press about what's going on with Jack Eichel's injury. You're not telling the press about certain things that the press is trying to get answers out of, and you're dancing your way around it and that's how you lose 18 games straight whereas Granado comes out and he's like nope here's what's going on here's what I'm doing and here's where you need to here's what you need to know here's what you don't need to know and I Mm -hmm. really appreciate that from a coach yeah like I Jeremy White on WGR is a guy that like I really trust I really like and for I think two out of the last three weeks or last two weeks he's like hang a banner of what Granado just said in the rafters. And, like, normally he jokes about it, but he's like, no, like, he's honest, and he uses common sense. Like, one of of his quotes, I think it was last week, it was about Darlene. He's like, yeah, we have to get Darlene going because when he plays well, it affects our team more than when someone else plays well. Like, he understands if his elite players are playing at an elite level, their team's going to be better rather than – Say Kruger saying like ah we need all eighteen guys to buy in. It's like well you can have like three guys not buy in, but if like Jack Eichel, Rasmus Dahlin, Sam Reinhart, and Jeff Skinner are all buzzing at the top of their games, it's like yeah those guys are gonna make a bigger impact than Cody Eakin for checking well. So I'm I just I love him. His honesty is so refreshing. But in interviews he's still personable. Like he he jokes around with the guys in the morning and he's honest and it's like, what's wrong with Allmark? Like, I don't know. We'll find out tomorrow. And then when he's like, yeah, we still don't know. Rather than Kruger being like, ah, Jack's fine. Like he's not hurt. Turns out he has a herniated disc. It's like, jeez. Yeah. Like that's tough. Like he's out for the rest of the year and I would have loved to see him come back and see what he plays like in Granado's system. 
But it's just tough losing him for the rest of the year. But you get the young guys more playing time. Like, you're, like Middlestat's going to get more time on power play. Cousins is going to have to step up. So I just hope we haven't seen the last of Jack Eichel in a Sabres uniform. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think he can get moved this offseason, especially with the injury that he's got. Right. Um, just no one's going to trade for a guy who you haven't seen play since he was playing, you know, and getting pinched nerves on the bench in Long Island. You know, yep. no one wants to have that on their team. But with Eichel, I mean, let's just transition right to it. I feel like, and I, I've, I've kind of been scared since this injury thing because I feel like he won't be the same. Like, I hope he's not. I hope he's fine. I hope he fully recovers. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really, you know, hope the surgery goes well and all that. But there's a part of me that's thinking, he might never be the same player again. A neck injury is not something to be joked about. You know what I'm saying? Like, ask Eric Wood. He had to retire maybe five, six years too early in his NFL career because of a spinal injury. Like, these things are super serious when we're talking about life and death, like, let alone playing the game. So I hope everything goes well with Eichel. But there's part of me that's saying he might not be Jack Eichel that we know when he comes back next season. Sure, he'll play. He'll be back. But will he be as dominant as he was before this injury? We don't know. Like right. we can't expect. We can't expect that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, looking forward to next year, and here's one of the reasons also why I think Don Granado's the guy. He likes to keep lines together. Mm-hmm. Um, you notice this? I pulled up the the lines from the other night here. This Thompson Middlestat Asplund line he's had together for the last week. They've looked super good. Middlestat yeah. looks like the best he's been, you know, all all his NHL career. And then you've got Routzelein and Bjork and Cousins that seem to click together in their first game. He clearly wants that to be a line going forward with three young guys who are going to be here for a while. You would mm-hmm. assume. I mean, that leaves you with Reinhardt, Olafson, Skinner, and next year Eichel as four players to potentially get three spots on the first line. So someone's got to lose a spot there. And I wouldn't be shocked if it's Olafson. I yeah. think Olafson might find his way down on a fourth line role, getting first line power play time next season. Um, just because he's not good on five on five. And you can have Skinner, Eichel, and Reinhardt as your first line. Your middle six is those two I just mentioned. And then someone and someone, Gergensen's probably with maybe Cody Eakin. Hopefully not, but probably not. Probably on your fourth line. But I, I mean, that's a solid group. If you yeah. keep that group together, like I'm, I'm at no longer at the point, thanks to the play under Don Granado, I'm no longer at the point of you need to blow it up, get rid of everyone, change right. everything out because this team isn't playing well. They've shown that they can. Yeah. And I think Granado's the guy going forward. And next season, I, I mean, there's high expectations, obviously, but if they can keep this up for the rest of the season, I think fans will be really optimistic going into next year. Yeah. And we didn't even talk about the back end of the lineup. Like you look at, Mm-hmm. Guys like Darlene, obviously, Yoki Haru, but Will Borgen's going to come back. Jacob Bryson's played well. Matthias Samuelson is down there in the minors. And, like, they're, Borgen's 24, Bryson's 23, uh, Yoki Haru's 22, Darlene's 21, Samuelson, I think, is 21. Like, the back end of your team is going to be super young. And,. They've developed those guys well, and then they've got Ryan Johnson, who they drafted in the first round a couple years ago. Uh, there's probably a guy, McCabe will probably come back. So in the offseason, you could realistically trade Colin Miller, and I think next year you have to trade, or this upcoming offseason, you have to trade Rasmus or Salina because he's got one year left on his deal, and if you can move him, at least get something for him. I would 
call Calgary and be like, what do you guys like need in addition to Risto to get Goudreau, Monahan, or yeah. Kachuk? Because oh my you, god, imagine Matt Kachuk on that first line. Imagine a line of Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhardt, Matt Kachuk. There is your guy. I've, I've done it in NHL 21, and it's very rewarding. <laughs> all they do is score because. Kachuk is a more skilled Tom Wilson because he will hit anyone. He's a pest. What he's got skill. He scores. He's still young, and I think they need to take a big swing on a trade and getting another top six forward, and and then they can also sign, hopefully throw some money at a guy that I like that would be coming up as Brandon Saad, who's won a couple cups. He's older, and if you say like, hey, you want to play on Dylan Cousins' wing for the next five years, we'll give you seven million a year because they're going to have cap space mm-hmm. and. The only other issue they're going to have is goalie because if Allmark doesn't resign, they've got nothing because Ukebek Lukanen's not ready. Um, There's a couple guys out there like James Reiner, Peter Morazic that you could sign, but you're going to have to give them decent money. But those are guys, I mean, that forward is looking better. Defense is looking very promising. And then. Well, like, goaltending is goaltending. A goalie right. can go on a run. Any, any goaltender can win a Stanley Cup. Look at Ben Bishop with Dallas. Yeah. I mean, he just went on one run for one season and found his way into the finals. And I'm like, there's no way that Ben Bishop should be, you know, a topic of conversation. Anton could open, had to come in and save his ass in yep. the finals run. They couldn't yeah. even get it done with his old ass. So, no. you know, I think that... Anyway, Are we talking about Benjamin Bishop? Oh, Texas Jays. So nice of you to join us. We're discussing Benjamin Bishop. Now, I know it's easy to throw stones from the ground. Being a Sabres (laughs) fan, being in the basement, well, guess what? Stay there. Dallas is down this year, but they were out. Rupe hints Rupe the MVP for an extended period of time. They got a young goaltender named Jake Ottinger. Better than any goalie you have. So don't that's be coming at that's me, our goalie Lena, number Lena three. Sol- Lena, Solmark. Lena Solmark is better than Jake Ottinger. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that's that's what you came back with. Listen, why don't you sit back and listen to the king. When we talk about Benjamin Bishop, we're talking about a goaltender who led single-handedly the Dallas Stars on a run in the bubble. That is very hard to do. They're away from their family. They're they're away from their family. Okay, They have to sit in hotel rooms. They don't like it, but guess what? He gritted his teeth, he laced his skates, and he went out there and stopped every puck that went his way. I'm pretty sure he had 19 straight shutouts in the playoffs. Okay, They played 16 games. He was so good, they gave him three more shutouts. That's the way Ben Bishop rolls. And now he wants to take the year off. He wants to go on a sabbatical. Pretty sure he went to Rome, to Italy with his kids. He went to Disneyland. Okay, Took some time because he earned it. He carried that team all the way to a cup run. Now, if you guys want to talk about the Sabres, you go right ahead. But when you want to take shots at the king known as Benjamin Bishop, I'll be waiting. Meh. Wow. All right, from Texas J all the way down in Texas, throws everything he's got at the wall, sees what sticks, and I'm ready to debunk it. Look, Ben Bishop was decent. He was good in Tampa Bay. He was he was a Hart nominee. He won a cup. He was he was second in Vesna voting in 2015-16 in Tampa Bay. 
Why did they move on from him? Couldn't pay him. He goes to L.A., can't do anything. He starts in seven games. He wins four of them. I mean, it's like decent, but not enough. They don't do anything in the playoffs. Goes to Dallas, has a decent run. Okay, one year. But let's see if it's sustained or if he's just a one-off. Remember, Jordan Binnington went on a run one season. His first year in the NHL and won a Stanley Cup. Since then, he's been average. I feel like when you're playing in front of a confident team, any goalie, my grandma could go in and make a couple saves and go on a run. That's an interesting point about your grandma. The only way we can settle this is if we call up my boy Benjamin, we put him on the other side against your grandmother, I bet you 10 times out of 10, Benny Bishop's team is going to take the victory. Get out of here with that. I don't know. Uh, it depends on the team who's playing for it. Is, is my grandma in a Sabres uniform? Is she in a Sabres jersey? Because then she's not winning many games. Talking Nana. I mean, if she is talking she's, grandma, for, oh my lord, get this the senior citizen discount. Okay, all right. Hey, it's a damn good discount, though. You ever you ever get the Denny's, the early bird special? Ooh, I love Denny's. Not too shabby. Hey, you know you get a free what is it? A grand slam on your birthday at Denny's? Really? So, oh, it's epic. They sing you a song, too. Anyway, back to the Sabres. Um, yeah, but the thing is, you mentioned, Stephen, how you want to bring in Brandon Saad. Yeah. Now, here's a guy who I enjoy as a hockey player. I loved him when he was with Chicago. Still loved him when he was in Columbus, though he didn't perform as well. Back in Chicago now, he hasn't lived up to the hype after coming back to Chicago. Hasn't really elevated the players around him to the rankings that they wanted him to, or at least expected him to. He's a guy who's over the hump. Look, I don't want to bring in another Eric Stahl. I don't want to bring in another Taylor Hall, who's a player who's a has-been, who's going to fall off the cliff in their time in Buffalo and just slow down our process of getting back to the playoffs. But also, it brings you're bringing in a guy who is taking this spot away from an R2 route Salanen, from a Tage Thompson, from an Andrews Bjork. Do we not want to let our young guys play on offense that are playing so well right now? Or do we want to just say, we appreciate what you did at the end of this season that didn't matter. We're going to bring in an older veteran, and he's going to get more time than you. Well, I I don't think they have enough talent where they can just be R2 Rusalainen like you're automatically second-line right winger. Like, they need to add. Why not? Why not? This guy I, led the SHL in goals. He was an electric player over in Sweden. I know, but it's different. It's He only has one goal right now. Granted, he's only played, what, three games? But and I think he looks good. Not too shabby. One I know. goal every three games. I know. I think I don't want to put all my eggs in that basket. Like, Saad, you could probably get him for four years at six and a half or seven million, and that's oh. where that's not, that's not going to kill you, but you still get a guy that... That sounds like an Oposo contract to me. You're going to be stuck with it for the last two years that he stinks. No, he okay, so he's still, he's only 28 right now. I just had his stats up. I think he has nine goals, and let me check again. Let's see. He has 13 goals and nine assists for 22 points. His plus minus is zero. So, but he's he's got, what, two or three cups of Chicago? Like, he's got playoff experience. Like, you need guys that, like, have been there, and he's not – he's a good two-way forward. He's not, like, a guy that's just going to dangle. He's, he hasn't lost a step like Taylor Hall. Like, Taylor Hall – I and, again, I, I'm totally fine with them signing Taylor Hall and trading for Eric Stahl. Like, though, I thought those were two great moves. But Stahl is 35, 36, so you knew he was getting up there. You don't know if that sort of production can be continued that he's had – 
And Hall, I mean, I'm glad they only took a one-year deal on him because he's fallen off. Saad is still a guy that produces at a normal level. I mean, you put him next to a guy like Cousins that can set him up. I think that's good. But you're probably your best bet's going to be the trade market. I mean, if you trade Risto, they how many picks? They have ten total picks in this draft after all the deals that they've made. They have a first, two seconds, two thirds, fourth, two fifth, two sixth, and a seventh. Like you, there's plenty of leeway there that you can package both seconds and a third and you can go get a guy or say they have the first overall pick and the top four prospects in this draft are all defensemen and they're pretty loaded or not necessarily loaded but they're deep at defense you can trade that move back to five get one of the Michigan forwards and go about your day and probably get some good return for that like they they're probably gonna have to explore the trade route and we'll have to see what comes out of that because who's going to want to sign in Buffalo right now? You know, mm-hmm. they're down. Who knows about Jack's future? So, I mean, we'll see. But they definitely need to build the farm system. So there, there's a lot for Kevin Adams to do. But today the Sabres announced that they signed an associate GM, thank goodness, Jason Carmanos. Used to be in Pittsburgh. Uh, he was in Carolina when Kevin Adams was there. He was there for 14 years, so he has experience. Yeah, he moved the Hartford Whalers. Are we going to forget what Peter Carmanos did to the city of Hartford? I mean, he might come in. His son, Jason, might come in and move Buffalo out of Buffalo. I mean, this guy is just a known crook. Well, that's not really a good way to start off this tenure there, Jack. But um... <laughs> I mean, it's true. The Brass Bonanza stopped playing because of him. Well, I didn't know you were going to drop these bombs on me, so now I don't know how I feel about him. Look, Jason Carmanos is not the guy for the Sabres job, okay? He has no experience drafting and scouting players, okay? He moved a very uprising Hartford Whalers team to Raleigh, North Carolina, for no good reason. I mean, I'll back off the Carmanos hate, but I do want—I want to touch on what you just said with the draft picks. They've, we do want the Whalers, Texas J types into the chat. <laughs> we want the Brass Bonanza back, but not at Buffalo's expense. Anyway, you mentioned the draft picks. So they've they've now acquired all these picks for this off for this off season, um, which we've seen teams like Montreal. They came into this trade deadline with I think fourteen, fifteen picks, and you know used them to get guys like Eric Stahl to move forward into a playoff push. But in the Sabres position, you've got two scouts. I mean, I don't yeah. want to have any draft picks. I want to trade all my picks besides number one overall. Like, I don't want to trust this scouting department to draft any prospects, no matter how bad Rochester is. I'd rather trade all our picks together to get a Matt Kachuk, to get a, a Johnny Goudreau, to get, you know, someone out there out west that's on a long-term contract that would be able to come to Buffalo and contribute right away and, yes, be forced to stay in Buffalo for a couple seasons because they're not going to have the choice because, as you mentioned, no one's choosing to come to Buffalo. No, those are all excellent points and I agree with you. Like there I think the trade market is going to have to be the route that they go because Kevin Adams said he's like I don't believe in rebuilds. Don Granado said the same thing, so it kind of shows that they're thinking the same thing which could bode well for the long-term marriage between the two. And yeah, I think they're going to have to start trading for people because if you don't believe in a rebuild out of the top five, it's rare that a player coming out of the draft makes 
the team. Like normally they have to go back to juniors, they go back to college, and they're there for two or three years sometimes. And so you're not going to get the immediate return. So if you take these picks, you package them with some players. Like if going back to what you said about Olafson, he's not a good five on five player. He's a power play specialist, and that's where he belongs. So when the power plays full go, he should be out there ripping one-timers. Other than that, third or fourth line. Keep on the bench. I think that's fine. It's what he was used for in the pro leagues in Sweden when he was developing as our prospect. Right, he's a seventh-round pick. It works. Yes, so move him down and get someone that's a better two-way player up there that can score more consistently. But definitely, I think... Calgary is going to blow it up. They've been talking about it for three years. Go get Kachuk. Give up what you – like, if you have to give up maybe Asplund and two seconds and Risto, like, that's worth it. It's totally worth it. So I'm I'm all for that. And I would – they just – they need more talent. And, yeah, I'm yeah, – that's the way you got to get it. So. There you go. I mean, I feel like that's all we got to say about the Sabres. They, you know, they need to make some changes. Not too drastically, though. We're definitely, we've come a long way in the last couple weeks. Mm -hmm. Things have changed. They're not looking the same that they did in the last month under Don Granado. Donnie Meatballs might be the guy going forward. Such a great nickname. I love it. Hey, if we can have a meatball as our coach, and I got to tell you, I love just the look of his face. He looks like a hockey coach, man. Ralph Kruger did not look like a hockey coach. He just the looked- way that Don Granado leans over his player's ear and will whisper something to him during a game, that's a hockey coach right there. I love it. Absolutely love it. No, he looks like a guy you want to grab beer with. Because sometimes it's just like post-game show. It's like, yeah, I don't know. You tell me. Like He acts like he's an average guy, but then like he's out there coaching, coaching some hockey. So I appreciate it. It's awesome. Yeah. Love it. So uh, I guess uh, that means that's two votes out of the Buffalo Sabres fan base. Keep Don Granado as the head coach going into next year. As of right now, to be determined going forward. I think that's good. That was beautiful, gentlemen. Beautiful. Thanks. I thought you were going to jump in at some point, Jake. No. Texas Jay had his, had his no. moment of glory. I had mine earlier with the photo. Oh, you guys are my hockey guys. I'm just, I'm letting you guys go, go for it. I honestly, that was hilarious. I wanted to get Justin in on Ben Bishop, and it just, it segued perfectly into it. I thought that was was a brilliant moment. Didn't mesh that in very well. Justin came out of nowhere with some bombs up top. Those are great. This guy just comes in late, unmutes his mic. Drops nukes, uses mic. So you're talking about Ben Bishop. <laughs> I just love how we went from a, a heated Sabres debate to a Dallas Stars debate. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> like that. <laughs> Our fan base reaches from both north and south of the country. Wow. Something you can't ask more of, you know? I mean, all we need is the east and the west, and we got it. America's pod. Oh, my God. Yes. Our America's pod. And then the world. I mean, let's do it all. 